Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I just finished talking with Luke Henry, Henry Development Group. Um, they have basically transformed this town of, of Marion, Ohio by investing in it and kind of what I would say is going first, right? You go in, you buy a series of buildings in this depressed downtown area and kind of be the first one to make the bet, which I was very interested to learn more about. I just think that's so fascinating. This is a town of 35,000 people. So you can imagine you start buying up downtown and pouring a bunch of money into it and revitalizing it. It's going to actually, you know, have an impact in a way that you wouldn't if you were in, um, you know, doing it in Houston or New York City. So really cool story there. They, they're also, um, Luke's got a lot of, a lot of plates spinning, wears a lot of hats. So definitely a guy that, that uh, I, can, I can relate to. And I love talking shop with him. He's also got a lot of these operating companies where they were doing these renovations downtown of these, you know, very old historic buildings that have been vacant sometimes for decades. And then they go out and they try to get tenants to this small town and businesses appreciated the vision, but they weren't willing to kind of move in and write the checks. So they were forced to basically create their own tenants. And so they would start these companies. It's, it's, uh, you know, so you have these series of companies that they own to be their own tenants, which is endlessly fascinating to me about how that was all put together. They're running EOS entrepreneurial operating system. So we talk about how they've kind of self implemented that and just kept so many different kinds of companies, uh, uh, going there. So super fascinating conversation with Luke Henry. I think you're going to enjoy it. If you are listening to the DJE podcast, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, five-star review helps a lot. We're going to have a message from our sponsors and then we'll get into the episode with Luke. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily land and industrial deals throughout Texas. DJE has been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode is also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Luke, hey, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Absolutely. Uh, great. Great to uh, be here. Thanks, Devin. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Looking forward to talking some shop here on entrepreneurship, on real estate. Um, you guys are based out of Ohio, but how about, you know, for the audience or, or people that haven't met you, connected with you, what's the, what's the backstory? How'd you get into this crazy entrepreneur game? Yeah, well, I always tell folks I'm, I'm still trying to decide what I'm going to be when I grow yeah, up. Right. So I uh, have kind of had uh, a uh, interesting past, done lots of things through the years uh, that's brought me to where I am today. but. Um, been great. So I guess the kind of the shortish version of the story is that um, I've, I've always kind of had the entrepreneurial spirit. I'd say that I got that from my grandparents on both sides. They were farmers. So, um, you know, got that that uh, Midwest work ethic with a, 
some creativity and, and all of that that it takes to, to be in business. And so I started at a young age, had a, some businesses when I was um, in elementary school and junior high. Uh, my first kind of bigger one was uh, mowing lawns, as lots of mm-hmm. kids do. And uh, I, I kept doing that through junior high, through high school, then added services with landscaping and snow removal and all this through college. That's how I put myself through school. I got a awesome. doctor of pharmacy degree um, and kept doing landscaping and mowing uh, even after I became a pharmacist and, and built a company. And then a couple of years into pharmacy, I decided, actually, my wife helped me decide that that one or the other sort of needed to go. And so I quit being a pharmacist after just a couple of years, uh, paid back my sign-on bonus, kind of cut ties with with the uh, the W-2 very early on in, in my journey and yeah. uh, went went full on uh, doing this landscaping business, which I still have today. We have a couple locations. We employ around 100 people. And um, along the way, uh, when I was in college, I also started uh, buying real estate. So I bought my first uh, home when I was in college. It was a, a five-bedroom college house that oh, yeah. uh, I guess you say basically... Housing? Uh, it, it, it was the only student housing I've done and, and will probably continue to do, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess it was, you know, you'd call it a house hack. Um, I, I lived there and okay. along with four friends and I rented out the other rooms to them while I was in college. And then, uh, once I graduated, I kept it for a few years and that's when I, I learned I didn't want to necessarily be in that business in a different market than where I live. And. So I uh, learned some lessons along the way, but that's uh, the way that, that I learned best anyways, just jumping in and making the mistakes and yep. learning the lessons and then uh, they pay off eventually. So um, today I, I uh, kind of along the way kept buying real estate and then about five years ago jumped into another project uh, that I thought would just kind of be a side project and uh, joined up with a guy in our hometown of Marion, Ohio. And we uh, saw that the downtown was fledgling like so many towns all across the United States. Uh, the downtown core had died with the advent of some some highways and some shopping malls back mm-hmm. in the 70s, 80s. And uh, you know, some of those buildings had been vacant since that time. And we saw uh, an opportunity. We really wanted to see our downtown come back. We'd seen it uh, happen in other communities where revitalization had taken place and recreated and reimagined these old buildings to new uses of you know restaurants and uh, retail boutiques and entertainment venues. And we said, hey, we, we want to do that in our town of Marion, Ohio. And so we quietly bought eight buildings on one block and started a project that we called Main Street Reimagined. It was on our main street. And uh, that has led to today, kind of, again, shortest version of the story. We've got about 20 buildings in our downtown. Uh, We own 10 businesses in those buildings and have developed a number of them into all different uses. We've got office, retail, restaurant, and uh, residential loft apartments. Uh, So mixed use uh, stuff. So that's the shortest version. We can jump into any uh, any piece of that uh, puzzle that you'd like, but uh, that's that's kind of how I got where I am today. Awesome, thank you. A uh, lot of stuff I want to dive into the the downtown revitalization. It, it sounds like that took feels like it took a lot of vision and a mm-hmm. lot of kind of going first 
uh, and probably a ton of capital. So I have so many questions. Like, was this, you know, did you have a capital partner lined up on this? Was it was it a bank that believed in it? It feels like a, a real kind of going first thing. And then I have a lot of questions about the operating companies that are the tenants there. But we'll, we'll get to right. that. What what was the genesis of of kind of you know, it's one thing to go flip a house and the model's there, buy an apartment, the model's there, but to like go into an area where maybe it, you know, a lot needs to be done and kind of go first and spend a lot of money and do a lot of work. What, what was the genesis of that? And, and what was the capital behind it? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, to be honest, we had no idea what we were getting into whatsoever. Uh, so, I mean, it was, it was literally, you know, a, a it definitely, the vision was there. For right. sure, you know, right. and we had some models that in some other communities around our size, we have about 35,000 people in our city. Okay. Um, so it's not a small, small town, but it's, um, you know, smaller. And we just kind of went for it. Uh, we, we had a plan. Uh, the, the guy that I partnered with, uh, he had started, uh, he had acquired a few of these buildings previously and started doing a little bit of planning, kind of bumped up against really the the money piece of it. Yeah. And had, you know, had done some planning, gotten with an architect, gotten some initial, um, you know, ballpark budgets, he thought for the first few projects. And he and I were both, um, you know, came from residential house flipping. And so we we thought we had a context of what it cost to do these things. Turns right. out commercial is an entirely different animal, entirely different, different um, <laughs> redevelopment, especially historic buildings. Um, yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. Sir. So we we've learned a ton along the way, but to, you know, to answer your question more directly in terms of the capital partner, so we bought a lot of these buildings up front. We pooled some funds, and I mean, these were these some of these were like relatively cheap acquisitions. I mean, we're talking from. 20,000 to 75,000 is what we paid wow. each yeah, for crazy. these eight buildings. And so, you know, they weren't worth a lot. Uh, many of them were vacant. Many had been vacant for literally decades. And so they needed a lot of love. What you pay for them is almost irrelevant. Um, yeah, but, right. Yeah. It's all going to, it's all got to be redone. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I had a, a great operating landscape business, a, have 30 or 40 doors uh, of uh, residential rentals and small multifamily. And so, you know, I really thought that going to the bank would be like no big deal to say, mm -hmm. hey, we want, you know, half a million dollars for this building and 200,000 for this one and whatever. And uh, I found out that it's much different story. They're again, going to the banks and, and asking for money on a pretty speculative project uh, in a in a area that's depressed and, you know, they, they loved our vision and some of them got behind it, but you know, the underwriting was a little trickier and oh, I so learned a lot about that process. But basically our first, our first project, we were able to just uh, fund with some cash and, and got something going. One small project stood up. It was an ice cream shop that we uh, redeveloped a tattoo parlor um, in a, building from the 1830s. Um, and so that was kind of a little bit of a proof of concept. Then we were able to cash out refi that project and roll it over to another, but we still needed a lot more money than what we had to do a uh, wedding venue, which was our first kind of more sizable project about uh, 6,700 square feet renovation. 
and again, a building that had been vacant for 40 years. And so we went to several banks before we found one that was willing to lend at any kind of loan to value that would make sense, but we couldn't get all the way there. So we uh, had to work through a um, like energy credit program where there's a an energy audit that's done. They basically say, we believe that in 15 years, you could save this much with energy improvements. And since we were putting in all new lights, new HVAC, new electric, and so forth, uh, we were able to prove that we'd be able to save some money. And then you get that uh, loan and it's uh, tied to the property as an assessment on the property taxes. And, and that's how we were able to get the rest of the loan to value. And then since then, we have continued to self-fund all of these projects or just, you know, uh, debt uh, that we guarantee. So, I mean, it's uh, it's yep. been, you know, fairly highly leveraged. And I mean, it's uh, a bit more risky than a lot of other real estate ventures, but it's also a passion project and something that we feel that the farther we go into it, the more that we prove the concept, the more traffic we create, the the better tenants we can attract and the whole thing is just an upward positive cycle yeah gotta imagine once you get over some hump uh or some threshold that that it starts to work but yeah that's a lot of going first and putting your own money and your own effort into it to kind of do it and i could absolutely see how it's a passion project i mean you're, you're town of thirty-five thousand people this is making a, this is a major impact on like people's lives in this town i gotta imagine Right, absolutely. I mean, it's really turned into a big movement in our community. And and fortunately, we've also seen other people come alongside that are doing yeah. other projects downtown. And so in the five years since we started, you say we have about 20 buildings, but there's been 35 buildings that have changed hands, which is significant because that means they're changing from the people that weren't doing anything with them to the people that are yeah. going to do something with them. And those are still in various phases of um, development and some of these other folks, I think, haven't done quite as many projects. So they're they're learning what we learned early on, and some of them are maybe in over their heads like we were. So uh, we try to be helpful and and collaborate and everything. But it's uh, it's definitely a different animal. Yeah, no doubt. But nobody wants to go first for sure, <laughs> except you. Yeah. But now that you did. You know, the banks are more comfortable. You got maybe comps. You've got something for somebody to kind of come behind and ride in your ride in your your wake or ride your coattails. Um, not to take anything away from them, but like once it gets proven, um, that's really cool. Something a parallel of this happened in San Antonio a number of years ago with a local on a bigger scale, but you know, a local billionaire, you know, mm -hmm. developer took this uh, Pearl Brewery, which I've been driving by my whole life, just desolate, right? And and dumped a prodigious amount of money into it. And they call it the gift to the city in San Antonio right. because it the thing didn't underwrite. Like there's no way it was, this was like a solid ROI play. But now, I mean, it's completely transformed the whole town of the whole city of San Antonio. And it, I was talking to a developer friend of mine who was building, you know, 350 units of multifamily downtown. And he's like, you know, we can go to the banks now and say, hey, just, you know, just north of here, th these are the rent comps and we're just a little bit south. It's like proving rent comps, making making the banks comfortable with it. And um, so, you know, I've never been to the town, but kudos to you for having the guts to go first and have that kind of um, impact and kind of create a path for everybody to get on board, the, the lenders, the other entrepreneurs and all that mm -hmm. stuff. That's got to be really, 
rewarding, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It it definitely has been. And we have seen, you know, that momentum. We have seen the the conversations with the banks get significantly easier as we've yeah. moved along and been able to prove some of these processes. And we have cash flowing assets and we are proving ROIs on some of this stuff. And but as you said, I mean, going first in the beginning, it's just like you've got to kind of grind and, and sweat your way through it a little bit. And there were some some rough rough days you know for example this wedding venue that we did uh it's a another one of the businesses that we operate and right. it was about a, a year long that was about a million dollar project which was really significant for us and we got it done and we opened um in february of 2020 late february per 2020 perfect which, yeah, if you recall the the going oh, on at that time in history, as we all do, uh, that was not a great time to open a business where you make oh, money man. when people gather. Yeah, no kidding. So, so yeah, times were times were really tough there for a while. Yeah. What? Okay, I uh, we we're our firm's getting into some some retail stuff. We've got a mixed use multifamily downtown. We're buying another uh, retail spot and this is kind of new to our company um but i'm very curious about the operating business you know the businesses that you mentioned right mm -hmm. and so you know you got if i understood correctly you guys have spun up or bought or created businesses that are also tenants is that are those completely owned by you or partnerships real curious to dig in on how you set all yeah. that up. yeah there it's um we did yeah start a lot of these and have continued to operate a number of them. Uh, our goal is with some of those to partner and kind of offload those along the way at some point. But it really, for us, came out of necessity from the, the standpoint that when we first started this, we bought those eight buildings, we came out, told what we were going to be doing. We got everyone really excited about this project. And so what we did then was we had the vision we had some 3d renders you know here's what we're working to create and so we started to go to an ice cream shop in another community a coffee shop in another community a restaurant in another community and talk to them about possibly bringing a concept to our main street and we would bring them to town give them the whole dog and pony show and going to say, you know, what do you think? Could this be a, a great fit for you? And and the, all those meetings pretty much ended the same, which was they they look at me and say, hey, we we absolutely love your vision. And and I believe with the passion and with the creativity and, and the work you're putting into this, it's going to be successful. But for us, it's just too early in the process. And it's just too speculative because if something goes sideways, we don't want to be left holding the bag yeah. on this. And yep. so, you know, I understood that perspective. I was disappointed, of course, but we really committed to do it. And so we were somewhat undeterred and just said, okay, if, if we've got to operate the businesses, you know, I've started businesses before, it's what I love to do. And so we'll just do that. And so that has led to today, we have um, three wedding and event venues, a number of short-term rentals, uh, ice cream shop, restaurant, uh, uh, just opened a full service Italian restaurant and catering facility, uh, two hair salons. Um, my wife has a toy store that she operates in one of our 
buildings. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of a whole mixed bag of things. And really what it comes down to from the standpoint of operating these is great, either operating partners or managers, you know, so people, yeah. it comes down to finding the right people that are experts in those areas. And yeah. I look at it as we are, I mean, it's truly a win all the way around because we're creating an opportunity for them that they may not have by helping yeah. to bring some business acumen, some financial backing, a space. So we're being more than just what a typical landlord would be. Even if they're a straight tenant, we're still working on like building and you know, rolling in the build out into their rents. We're helping them with marketing and connecting them with website people and social media people and attorneys and the people that they need to be able to, to get this business going. And so we've yeah. become sort of business consultants for some of our tenants. And then also the same within our group where we're operating these business and we have key leaders within the team that are running the day-to-day -day operations. So it's become quite a, quite a ball of wax, but it's, <laughs> it is, it is exciting. If nothing else, it's it's exciting. It sounds exciting. I'm almost scared listening to it. That sounds so cool. And it sounds like I stuff I think about all the time. And I'm just like restraining myself. Like, do, do not start another LLC. Like, please, for the love of God, like optimize what you, you know, the 40 companies we already have or whatever. But right. it's so, uh, that sounds so cool. I, I know the headaches that come with all of it, but it yeah. is super cool too. It's just, it's, it's, it's creative, right? You're, you're literally creating something out of nothing. And I don't, I don't know if there's anything better in, in business. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, yes, tons of headaches, a lot of, a lot of risk and challenge. Sure. Um, our, you know, this is not a um, passive investment by any means. I mean, yeah, we're, we're, you like the right. complete antithesis of a passive investment. You know, yeah. We're very uh, high on the, on the elbow grease and the, the time into it right now, but obviously we're kind of running a couple of parallel roads, you know, as we can do the development and prove these concepts and attract better external tenants that we are going to really be sought out after we're starting to see some glimmers of that. And we hope that it's sooner than later that there are people from other communities as we originally set out that are like, wow, Marion, Ohio would be a great place for us to locate a second or a third or a fourth location because we see the vibrance. We see the support of the downtown. We see the collaboration and just that it's a charming place to be with these other businesses because we've been very intentional with building an ecosystem of very specific types of businesses. You know, right. we're not just trying to find tenants. We're not just trying to fill spaces. Yep. It has to be something that all works together really well. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. How, um, how has the, your, your lenders or your debt partners been with, Hey, we're going to lease this, you know, to a related company. Has it been an issue, non-issue, you know? Yeah. Not too much of an issue. I mean, I think that it actually in a lot of cases might, give a level of comfort because there is some control and at least transparency. Yep. We have to, as part of our financial reporting to them annually, I mean, they're looking at the operating numbers from the, the operating business as well. Yep. And so, you know, if it was just a tenant, I wouldn't go to them and say, Hey, I need to see your numbers to make sure that you're making money. So you are going to be able to pay your rent the next year. You just but take with their us, 
yeah, I mean, they, the bank asked for that and, you know, for better or for worse, you know, we given the reports they asked for. And so we've been um, figuring all that out too. That was a, a, a new world to me as yeah. we went into this. And, you know, we do have several lending partners on all these different projects because what I didn't realize was, you know, eventually you bump up against a ceiling that is uh, as high as they want to tolerate in terms of that port of their part of their portfolio yeah. from a risk uh, standpoint. And so we've had to build multiple relationships with multiple lenders, but we've embraced that and, and feel that we do have really good relationships and they, they see us doing what we say we're going to do. And, and so right. we continue to, they lend us, keep lending us money for the next project. Yeah. So. So they get a little a look a little further into financials than they would otherwise. Like you know, if you're if you're leasing to Starbucks, the bank can't get Starbucks financials. They exactly. lease it to your your hair salon. They're going to make it a requirement. Hey, we got to see we got to see financials on the operating business, which is more than they get otherwise, right? Correct. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and they you know seem to always be happy with it. So yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Once you can kind of get them comfortable with that and. And get that going. Um, so no, no four hour work weeks is what I'm hearing. So under, understand that. Um, what do you, what is your, so that is so much going on at your absolute kindred spirit. I, you know, have lots of companies, lots of things going on. Um, what does your day look like or your week? I mean, is there, is it, is it narrowly focused? Is it a million things different every day? You know, what do you want it to be versus how it, how it is? What does that look yeah. like? For yeah. It's getting, better all the time. I think, you know, yeah. it was, I've been very intentional. There is a point when you're starting these baby businesses that it's just kind of all hands on deck and things are going haywire and you're getting all the texts and all the calls about random things as you're getting lifted off the ground on a new business. But yeah. especially as we get them up and stood up and, and operating, we run EOS in basically all of our businesses. Oh. And so my every day is different, but my week typically looks like just groups of meetings with our different business units where we have a level 10 meeting. I have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with maybe the key manager leader there. We have, um, we've consolidated and kind of created um, like a vertical integration with our, you know, cause we're now operating development construction property management, yep. accounting, and operating businesses. And so we've now finally gotten to the place where we have consolidated that. I have central accounting for almost all the businesses. And so um, so I, you know, I'm just hitting these uh, different groups and making sure that everyone has what they need and trying to uh, just lead with vision. And you know, I'm very big on creating cultures where people feel appreciated, where uh, we are the employer of first choice in yep. that particular sector. And man, that takes a high level of intention. And we still got a long way to go on some of these, you know, some of these, uh, you know, restaurants and service businesses and you know, landscaping and all of the construction are not well known for being <laughs> like really positive workplaces with great culture. And so right. it takes a high level of intention to do that. And we continue to just try to drive that forward it's a big piece of what motivates me as well yeah. yes i want to create uh 
wealth ultimately yes i want to create businesses that are successful and this vibrant downtown but also i want to create businesses that that make people's lives better and that they love working at and that they feel that they're part of the mission as well yeah. for the downtown and and i tell them that that you know we're not just uh making pasta we're not just scooping ice cream we're not just swinging a hammer we are truly creating the tomorrow of our community creating places where people can make memories where they can have a backdrop for their events and their family time and and all of that so it's really it's gratifying from that perspective too oh 100 percent. i i gotta imagine that's magnified on a on a town that size too where you you really are having a real impact it's not one you're not doing it in dallas or new york right where it's right. like dropping the bucket this is this is like an actual real impact on the people in the town i, I love it super inspiring super inspiring yeah, thank you yeah, that's um, certainly our goal yeah do you uh do you guys use an eos implementer or did you you know read the books implement the framework how did you approach that yeah so we uh, we just have self-implemented everywhere okay. so we started it in the landscaping business um i think we had around 50 employees at the time it was when i was bringing on a general manager and so it was actually promoted a general manager a fellow that had been with with our team for six or seven years he was coming into that spot and so i found it he became the integrator so we ran that for three four years before i've implemented it now in these newer companies that we've started and it's really been a game changer for us. I mean, I know that there's other frameworks out there and not that EOS is, is perfect or is the silver bullet, but I think when you're following a framework, when you have a rhythm, when everyone can predict when the communication is going to happen and there's structure for sharing scorecards and KPIs and all of that, it just makes all the difference because again everyone's bought in everyone knows what's going on they feel a part yeah. of it and it's been really impactful for us yeah i love it and the transparency is there the framework's there for everybody Correct. to see not this top down like turn this in on thursday it's hey we're all playing off the same the same um scaffolding the same framework here yeah yeah, yeah. what's been interesting from a leadership perspective is just as i've gotten pulled in different directions with being part of all these different businesses i've sort of had to become by default more empowering to people which is probably great that it's happened that way because i don't think that that's something i naturally right. uh, have done in the past and so it's just I've, I've had to just trust people because there's 50 other things going on and yep. so it's been um it, it's been good and it's allowed some people to really shine that hadn't had opportunities yeah. And you know, maybe wouldn't have even had as much of an opportunity under me had I not had uh, some other things going on. So they've yeah they've step up, and we've we've got fantastic people. Yeah, I that really resonates with me. I have gone through a lot of that in the last couple of years, where it's like, you know, you gotta figure it out. I just don't have time to tell you how exactly how I do it because I got this other thing. And a lot of times, I'm very pleasantly surprised with the, with the outcome, especially right. the part where I didn't have to do it. Um, Absolutely. There's I'm, I'm halfway through shoe dog or shoe dogs right now. It's a book that, you know, Phil Knight's Nike. Yes, story. I love that. Um, who, whoever the ghostwriter was on that just top notch, in my opinion, fantastic. It is. Story. It's great. But these is, they've said a few times in the book, don't tell people what to do. Um, tell them 
the outcome you want and let them let them surprise you, which is a lot of handing off, a lot of responsibility and maybe, you know, other things. But um, yeah. I thought that was an interesting kind of mantra that, that they were running the company by at least in the 70s and 80s. And uh, sounds like, you know, sounds like we've all got that to do at some point, at some point of scale, right? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, I'm, you know, similarly, some of the, the mantra that I've adopted is who not how from Love the it. book of the same name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin Hardy, Dan Sullivan. And that's just, man, that's just become kind of my go-to mantra where it's like you bump up against a problem, bump up against an opportunity. It's like, okay, it's not how it's who, who do I need to bring into this? That's going to have the bandwidth. That's going to have the know-how that's going to have the determination to, to solve this problem or take this opportunity and run with it. And that's, serve me well you know it's not always perfect it's really messy sometimes yep because people make mistakes same as you and i have made mistakes yep. through our experiences and so we have to be understanding of that but uh when we give people the reins it is it is amazing the outcomes that are can be achieved yeah one of the things i've struggled with so much is that i have i have such a clear vision for the things i want to do and i've spent so much time refining that that when i go after something man, that outcome's crystal clear if I'm doing it right. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I really struggled and still struggle with, hey, why don't you see my exact outcome? Like I, I can see it perfect. So I have a lot of practice mm -hmm. envisioning stuff, writing about it, refining it, executing, you know, I got it dialed in. So when somebody else doesn't have that, it kind of drives me crazy. And, and over the last couple of years, I've had to kind of let that go and say, I really just, here's the vision for the outcome. And man, I know you're going to take such a different way to get there than I would. And uh, I got to be cool with that. And, and that's the kind of the magic of it. But seeing that happen is like, uh, it's just, it's this new, it's like going from black and white to color. It's this new thing. Yeah. Cause then you're like, well, now what can we do? Like if that, yeah. if you have unlimited who's, uh, we can kind of do all of it almost. Right. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, exactly. A beautiful, a beautiful thing. Um, what does the, what does the team look like? I know there's a million companies, you got operators, you got EOS running on them, but you know, is there, is there a core team for like a holding company over all this? Is there different partners for every individual LLC and operating company? How, what does that look like? Yeah, it's, it's, I've worked a lot to try to make it simple and to yep. try to distill it down to something. And so what we're working towards, we're not fully there yet, but what we're really working towards is that everything basically falls in three buckets. Okay. So we've got, I've got some companies that I have, um, my original partner from our Main Street Reimagined project, his name's Alex. And, you know, that's kind of one bucket. Then I've got another bucket that is stuff that just my wife and I have together. And then I have the, the landscaping company, which is kind of its own thing all together. And so we, we have those buckets and, and basically what we're working towards is having an integrator for each of those three buckets. And so basically the goal is here in the somewhat near future is to get to where I'm the visionary for each of those and are working really with just three direct reports that will then take that and run with it and work with our teams and, um, execute on on that vision yeah i love it yeah you have to work really hard on simplicity which yeah kind of funny but um 
I'm, I'm, I'm the same exact way. I think a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs are like, let's, let's get this down to the bare essence because in terms of number of steps and objective, because as soon as you hand it to somebody, it's going to get a little bit distorted. And the yeah. more steps there are, the more um, propensity there is for things to, to go awry or get misinterpreted. So yeah, huge, huge fan of simplicity. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's so a, easy to, to overcomplicate it. And yes. I, I often in the past have done that. And yep. so I hope that someone listening is encouraged that if I can learn this stuff and improve on, if I can be a better leader and figure out how to simplify things and figure out how to become a, a I call myself a recovering controlling leader, then yes. there's hope for a lot of people out there. Right. Right. Do you guys office downtown and kind of amidst all this stuff? I see you got a brick wall behind you. I assume you're yeah. in a work environment there. Yeah. 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 So we, I do have an office downtown. I've got a couple of offices and I'm also trying to simplify that a little bit. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we, we, our main um, Henry development group offices are downtown right in the thick of it. I can walk to pretty much all of our buildings and businesses and enjoy doing that and can Love see it. right from the street view, what all's going on and see uh, who's, who's in the businesses, how things are going and, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super cool to be kind of in the, in the thick of it. Um, well, what, you know, we're talking mid 2023, um, some serious interest rate hikes in the last year. Plus what's the, what's the economic outlook kind of right now for, for what you guys are seeing? Are you still buying stuff? Are you just operating? Just kind of like to get, gauge everybody I talk to that's out there running businesses mid 2023. What are you seeing out there? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in an interesting position from the standpoint that we've, as you mentioned earlier, we've basically created all these comps uh, in our downtown and yeah. there's only certain things that we can buy. It's like, a, a tree, we're not going to move it. You know, this, this building is not going to move. And if I've got two buildings and I'm trying to buy the one in between, that's the only one that I can buy. I can't just find something in another market that pencils better. Yeah. So it, it yeah. creates a unique challenge that way. We've created these comps. And so we're actually increasing our own pricing to acquire additional things in our market. So, so awesome. kind of, yeah, I didn't really, yeah. I mean, I, I, expected that would happen eventually that's why we quietly bought the buildings up front because you know you start you, the word gets out then people are like oh well, this is worth a little more now that i know that these guys are trying to do some stuff Absolutely. so now that's still happening five years later and so um it is what it is but fortunately we have a, f a few more buildings that we have yet to develop or redevelop and so we're working on those projects so the 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 interest rates are hitting us for sure from this, trying to, to get um, those to, to work out. And so our outlook is still strong. We we're really looking at our microcosm. You know, I think that it's important to be somewhat aware of the global or larger economy, U S economy, and some of those right. factors and the winds that may be coming and going but I think in a smaller market, it's also important to just understand what's going on here with, with things yeah. on the ground. Are people still spending money at these stores downtown? Are people still coming out and eating at restaurants? Are there opportunities to add additional businesses and have those be supported? Are there opportunities to continue to develop upper floor? 
uh, loft apartments. What's that outlook? And we have to to just look here close to home. What's going on? So interest rates obviously do affect us. That's something that we're a little challenged with, but we're pushing through. And our our mindset is that some of this, as long as we're not being foolish, we hopefully can get down the road a little bit, maybe do some refinancing and get into a little bit better position once that passes. And so we're continuing to, to do our thing. Yeah. Uh, thanks for your input on that. Appreciate it. Are you guys bringing on investor capital or is it just you, you and the bank? Pretty much um, us and the bank. And so it is something that we've considered. Uh, I've talked to a number of friends that have done some of that sort of thing. Um, I'm beginning to get a picture of the pros and cons yeah. of, of bringing on equity partners and all of the, the nuance of that. So it may be something that we do in the future. I think especially local folks might be interested oh, in investing. Yeah. I bet. I can imagine. I could absolutely. Yeah. See that. yeah. yeah. You know, impact investing is really what we're talking about doing, right. doing well while doing good. Right. So I think that there's probably some, some opportunity for that. So I have kind of a soft goal to, put some feelers out there with some local folks just to say, Hey, if, if the opportunity came around, if we wanted to put a deal together where we'd accept some outside money, is that something you might be interested in and just get a feel for if, if there is some interest and who specifically would be interested in doing that. And then when the time comes, I'm told by some friends that that time may come. And sometimes when it comes, it kind of comes quickly when you get to a certain point with, with debt, limits uh, with various lenders and some of that. So I think that we want to be smart about getting out ahead of that. It's always better to be doing that when you don't have to than when you do. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You could also structure, you know, a debt only deal where your blended rate is the same or better than bank debt plus equity. And then you just have debt investors in, you get, you know, and screw the banks. You just, you know, raise your own capital stack. Investors are still in it as, as you know, as debt investors, they still get to make a good return and be involved, but then you now you're cutting the banks out of the deal, which I'm always a fan of. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a great. But, thought. you know, it's it's just kind of it's it's uh, unique to to everyone. But with you guys' track record, shoot, I mean, you're most people. I say most. A lot of people I talk to started raising capital earlier, and that allows them to get in bigger projects. But you guys have done so much kind of on your own steam that I would imagine if you wanted to track capital, it's that'd be the least of your worries. So super. Super cool spot to be in. Um, well, somebody listening uh, wants to connect, learn more about your companies, what you're doing, impact you're having. What's the, what's a good avenue for that, Luke? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm always uh, interested to to connect with other investors or people that maybe are looking to do something in their hometown. Again, this story I've heard it hundreds of times over as I've traveled yeah. around the U.S. I mean, it's it's not unique to our town. It's not unique to the Midwest. I see it all over the place. But sure. I would certainly um, invite those conversations. But you can uh, connect uh, HenryDevelopmentGroup.com, Henry Development Group, and Main Street Reimagined on uh, Facebook, social media. Connect on LinkedIn. So um, I'd be happy to have those conversations or just stay connected with other uh, real estate investors and people doing cool stuff. Yeah, I love it. That's perfect. If you're listening, 
to the show notes, folks, just scroll through and you can click right through and, and connect there. Uh, Luke, this has been awesome. Super inspiring. Thank you very much for, for sharing the story. There's so much that resonates and so much I get inspired by all that. So really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I, I appreciate the opportunity. It's fun talking. All right. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.